You're listening to the Keith Blakemore Noble Radio Show. Here's your host, Keith Blakemore Noble. Hey, hey, hello. Welcome back. Glad to have you with us for another episode. I've got a fantastic guest today. My guest today, guest today is Beth Thomas. Beth is a certified ADHD life coach with additional training to support autistic clients. As well as that, she's a workplace trainer specializing in neuroinclusion. Beth is neurodivergent herself, and she knows exactly what it's life like to walk through life feeling a square peg in a round hole. When she's not hyper-focusing on all things neuro-inclusive, she otherwise enjoys being outdoors in forests, learning new interesting things. And learning new interesting things, I think, is, is something I hope we're going to do today as we speak with Beth. Beth, hello, welcome. Great to have you with us. Thank you so, so much for having me. I'm so excited. I'm definitely a bit nervous, but I'm so grateful to be here. <laughs> oh, it's great to have you. Just chill, relax, just, just enjoy. It's just you and me having a chat. Uh, so we've heard your bio, we've heard your bio, but who is Beth? Who is the lady behind the bio? Ah, oh, what a great question. Um, actually, something I've been asking myself for a very long time. So, <laughs> oh, where do we start? I, I'm neurodivergent. I, I, I find myself often saying this as, as a sort of first thing. Um, I'm not sure why quite yet. I'm still working that one out. But yeah, I... I have a differently thinking brain. I am a huge lover of being outdoors. So interesting because of course a lot of my work is online. So for me, a lot of my my sort of non-work time, let's say, um, is about really, really enjoying being out in the spaces around me, trying new things. I would say I'm a permanently curious person. So I am always so interested to learn new things about people I'm with or the places I'm in. I love poetry and reading. I can get so lost in the the marvel of other people's imagination. And yeah, I would just say I'm I'm quite a, a kooky, colourful person, really. <laughs> it's been a long time trying to figure out who I actually am, and I'm now finally really okay with saying. <laughs> I am the person that really enjoys wearing kooky colours and, yeah, being okay with that and being who I am. <laughs> love it. Love it. Uh, yes, so many of us go through life and still never working out who we are. So good for you on working that out. That is cool. That is really cool. Um, as we heard in your, uh, in your <coughs> excuse me, in your bio, you are neurodivergent and... I thought this would make for a great chat for us just to explore it a little bit. Um, I'm thinking from the point of view of people who are completely neurotypical and just wondering, what what is it like being neurodivergent? What, what, what's it all about? Also, I'm suspecting there are going to be some people who are listening who assume they're neurotypical, but as they listen to this, they'll be going, hang on. I ring some bells maybe that explains a few things so i thought we'd have a, a chat just to just to see what it's all about um 
and I'm I'm delighted that you've you've agreed to to, to come on and, and and do this. So, I guess my my first question is how long have you how long have you known that you're uh, neurodivergent? That's such a good question, and mm. I'll start with saying I've always felt different, mm-hmm. and that never really made sense to me. It was something I couldn't quite put a finger on as the the saying goes Mm -hmm. so growing up I always had this kind of oh I don't quite fit in I I I seem to be able to mask and belong in lots of different places but but never quite finding that real ah this is this is me this is where I belong so I've always kind of known that there's a bit of a difference but it actually wasn't until a lot later on in life that that penny dropped and I went oh Okay, that makes so much sense. So, so much sense. So that actually, only about four or five years ago for me now, I started working with a psychiatrist who actually specialised in assessing and supporting people with ADHD. And that was, gosh, the beginning of September 2019 now which feels like it was yesterday because I haven't, <laughs> but actually it was quite a while ago. Yes. <laughs> and, um, so, wow. Yes. To reflect on that, it has been quite a while, but yeah. And it wasn't until I actually started working with him and supporting his clients and patients through their diagnostic journeys. I thought, gosh, isn't it really funny that I relate to so much of this. <laughs> and we had this conversation that very much ended up with having that moment of going, ah, the reason I relate so much to this is, is because these stories are patchworks of my own. And I see so much of myself in all of these different experiences. And that's when it made so much sense that I had a differently thinking brain, differently wired system. And that was the moment that finally recontextualized my entire life. So finally an answer for why I felt too much or not enough or I was too energetic or not energetic enough at all all of these sort of huge variations that never never seemed to quite make sense all fitted into place with your brain and body is wired differently and that's okay because one in five of us are Mm -hmm. so that it's a very long-winded way that I hope answered the question. <laughs> absolutely did, absolutely did. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that. I love that. Uh, thank you. Uh, so it's it's really only in the past few years that you've you've um, formally realised ah that's why. But pretty much your whole life you just thought why am I different? I don't seem to be yeah, interesting. Now I know neurodivergence covers a huge range of um of different um i can't think of the word that i'm looking for uh, but there's lots of different different symptoms different types of neurodivergence um from uh, we, we can probably think of the extreme neurodivergent people who are maybe non non uh, non-verbal unable to communicate sort of in a world of their own the whole time through to people who unless you got to know them really well and they allowed you to get to know them really well, you wouldn't even realize. And I know there's lots of different symptoms and then so on, but what's, which, which does make it trickier, but what, what's, what's kind of, what is neurodivergence? What, what, what is it? How does it, how does it look? So Having said that it looks in a million different ways. What does it, what does it look? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and Perhaps unhelpfully, I will say it looks different for everyone. Mm. Um, 
because you've you've really articulated it so beautifully that there's such a huge variation so this looks and feels entirely different for every single person who experiences that whether they are neurodivergent themselves or of course if they're supporting someone who is neurodivergent so perhaps one of the simplest ways that I often explain it is that your brain and body are wired differently to how a sort of neurotypical brain and system would otherwise be set up mm-hmm. so that covers every element of life as we know it so that impacts the way that you perceive the world it affects the way that you experience things often we can have a heightened sensory system so we feel and see and smell and touch things much more intensely or indeed less intensely and perhaps other people might seem to and if you aren't aware of it one of the analogies I often find myself saying, because this is what it almost felt like for me, is it's like growing up with a brain that only understands a language that you can't currently speak or understand. And so you've got this huge barrier. Because, of you know, of course, we often say language can be a barrier sometimes. Yes, yes. And if you don't understand that your systems are wired differently, we can see it similarly as a language barrier that... We don't quite understand that yet. And that can feel really unsettling. It can feel confusing. It can feel really challenging. And it can cause us lots and lots of challenges with actually understanding ourselves, understanding others, understanding how the world works. And that often is one of the things that actually leads people to get a bit more curious about their own journeys. If their experiences are different, oh, actually, what's what's going on there? Maybe it's not because I'm a bad person I'm not you know broken but actually there could be something here at play so for me before I realized I was neurodivergent it was very much passed off as anxiety depression um, more specifically things like performance anxiety and social anxiety because I'd been sort of penned as a gifted and talented kiddo uh, which meant an enormous amount of expectation and not really any support or structure to to actually (laughs) So, of course, that ended up with severe performance anxiety. And as a result of all of that, you know, kind of building up and building up and me trying to sort of adjust and change bits of myself as I was observing the world around me in a bid to kind of fit in more, I lost a lot of the essence of exactly who I really was. Mm-hmm. So part of a neurodivergent journey to understanding yourself is about learning who you really are and how you can actually, you know, kind of align that to, to be authentically yourself as well. Right. Interesting. Interesting. And now one of the things that you, you, you touched on uh, was about um, processing of, of sensory information. And I know for many uh, neurodivergent people, um, uh, sensory, um, sensory interaction with the world uh, can be fraught with all sorts of, um, all sorts of issues. I know sensory overload can be, uh, a massive thing for 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 many um is that i mean let's let's explore that just for a moment um i mean all of us that's how we interact with the world is through through our senses sight sound touch taste smell all these sorts of things um but with 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 uh, for people who don't realize about sensory overload i guess it can seem strange that somebody just almost seems like a, a switch flips from perfectly normal to all of a sudden boom 
uh, in w- whatever way it manifests for them, maybe losing their temper or just getting deeply frustrated just because almost for, for seemingly nothing, but it's it's the sensory overload we're getting there. And that's, as I understand it, that's just because there's so much or we're so, uh, uh, Andy's are so overly sent or what's the word I'm looking for? Stuff that comes in through our, through, through our senses for neurotypical people comes in and we, and we just handle it for neurodivergent people comes in, but it kind of overloads because it's almost like too sensitive. It's like uh, things are too bright, too loud, too, too rough on the skin or whatever. And that just overloads all of the, the processing power, which then throws out all, all ability to be logical or rational or it's, is that does that fit in with your experience or or have I got it totally wrong or how are we doing there I mean it it certainly (laughs) resonates uh, with my personal experience and Mm. again I will always say that this will always be different for different people so some people might really resonate with this and some people might not at all I work with lots of different clients across the board who will say well actually you know that doesn't really fit with me at all and other people will say you've just read my mind so (laughs) One of the, I suppose, like analogies, if, if you will, that mm-hmm. is quite helpful sometimes to explain this is that because our sort of brains and, and our sensory systems are wired slightly differently, it can sometimes be almost as if you're holding a, um, a microphone or an amplifier up to it. So the sense that's coming in is being amplified and the the experience is therefore a lot more intense. Yes, yes. Certain, no, <clears throat> excuse me. Certain noises, sounds, sights, smells, textures can be incredibly intense because we've got a heightened sensory system. And so we're therefore experiencing it much more intensely. Yeah, yeah. It can be really challenging, especially if you don't have that awareness, that impact on you. Mm. And as you said, the, the outcome of that can sometimes look like what seems to be disproportionate reactions. So before a diagnosis something that I really struggled with was emotional regulation and I had no idea that sensory overload for me could lead to feeling dysregulated and therefore experiencing things like emotional dysregulation and rejection sensitivity and I would feel everything so intensely I would sometimes say it's like walking around without your skin you don't have a barrier Mm -hmm. so you're just feeling everything and experiencing it and that's really difficult for people to sort of understand if that's not an experience that you've perhaps had yourself so sensory overload can be a huge huge challenge especially if you don't have any you know strategies and and tools and supports in place to help you navigate mm. that because it's not yeah. as if we switch it off when we go out <laughs> the say, you know what i can totally handle a big city all of those noises I'm going to be fine. I wish we could yeah. <laughs> switch on and off the things that we struggle with. But of course, it's not always that simple. Um, and so that's where we can begin to see neurodivergent experiences sometimes become really challenging to navigate. Mm. That perhaps isn't always as accommodating. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it brings to mind that old joke about how when you, if, if you're out driving somewhere, and you're getting to a bit you don't know, you turn the radio down so you can see better. Um, but it, it, it's that thing because it does make a difference for, for everyone, for neurotypicals as well, because you turn the radio down, you've got less noise coming in 
less that you're processing sound wise you've got more that you can process with your vision and more that you can think because we've only got finite amount of processing so i guess for people who are with sensory overload you don't have that luxury of being able to turn the radio down or or put your sunglasses on so you can see because it's too bright what what are some ways you mentioned that there are strategies to help cope with um for somebody who's experiencing that or things that somebody who's caring for someone or, or works with someone or lives with someone who has that can, can help so what are some ways to, to, to help uh manage i guess sensory overload such a great question it's one that i really love exploring in sessions when i'm working with clients and again as i said before it will be different for different people <laughs> <laughs> so anything that i say i will always encourage people to explore with a curious mindset with a with an expectation that this could work and this could not work and either way that's okay yeah. because the process of learning what does and doesn't work is almost a process of comparison and we have to sometimes know what doesn't work because that's equally as helpful because it will help us figure out what does work exactly yes and i think that can be really helpful when we look at things like this because we're often coming into it with that sense of i need this to be perfect or it needs to work and if it doesn't work i must be the failure and so it's really important to take a pause and a moment to acknowledge that when we're exploring anything that we might want to amend or experiment with or change because it, the design of it isn't that it's going to work perfectly, and if not, you're the fault, but rather these are all options. Some of them will work really, really well, and we can layer those up and use it as a sort of, you know, build into a toolbox, and then you can carry that with you so that you've got options. So thinking about strategies is quite hard on the, in the moment when you haven't got, let's say, uh, examples. So for the purpose of this, yeah. I will use a couple of examples Mm -hmm. uh, to sort of like help you know e explore these things so sensory overload for me significantly impacts me if I'm in particularly challenging situations um, that I would find quite difficult to navigate so as an example I will use the supermarket as one because I find this a very <laughs> personally challenging circumstance to be in and I know that having worked with you know lots of different clients and groups and things like that I'm certainly not alone in that experience. Mm, yeah. so when we actually approach challenge, it's really helpful to figure out what actually is challenging in this. Like what aspects are really, really hard for us to navigate right now? Is it that there's lots of artificial overhead lights and that for us is a really intense experience? Mm -hmm. Is it that we've got a lot of audio input with lots of different noises at different tones and pitches and different levels of repetition that become really, really overwhelming for us? Is it that we are going through different temperatures and different smells and we're finding that a bit sort of disjointing almost and a little bit you know putting off, off us off balance um it might be that we struggle with being around people so for me all of those things are really relevant when i'm using this example so i have over time uh, explored different things that could work and i've been able to build very gradually a sort of process if you will that helps me manage that really successfully so for me personally I absolutely cannot hack a super busy environment where there's just absolute chaos all around me <laughs> um, and that's really difficult for me to navigate so I now know that I work best or operate best 
at times that aren't as busy. So for me, I will go and do uh, any shopping in a supermarket type environment, either super early or super late. Yeah. Uh, because I prefer doing things earlier uh, so that I can have more of a decompression time in the evening, I'll go earlier. So by that process of elimination, I was able to experiment with different times of the day and go, ah, okay, earliest time of the day worked well for me. Now, when it comes to audio input, I might find certain sounds really, really overwhelming. So I will now go to the supermarket early in the day with headphones. And that is really, really helpful for me. If yeah. I'm not able to use the headphones, I would at least try and use something like loop earplugs, which actually reduce the um, the intensity of the audio input coming into you, basically. So it's, it's almost turning it down. So, you know, we had that switch analogy earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a bit, you know. Um, and those <coughs> can be helpful. And then for my sort of you know my distractibility so my sort of impulsive ADHD part that comes in and we're looking at all these new shiny things and I'm like oh this looks great I totally want all of these things that have no purpose in my life right now but they're new and shiny so they're interesting um I have a list (laughs) (laughs) my listographer I have to admit um and so I will go with my very specific list and I will say to myself if it's not on the list it's not going in the trolley or it's not going in the bag Mm -hmm. and I will see that as a challenge so I will challenge myself and almost see it as a, like almost a game that can I make sure I stick to this list and I go through, you know, the shops in the aisles, getting exactly what I have set out to get. And if that is a success, I will treat myself to a win at the end of it. So having something to look forward to that I really, really enjoy to make that challenging experience something that is much more manageable and something I can look forward to at the end. So those are a few examples of things you can layer in yeah. for each of those challenges that make the whole experience much more bearable and manageable. I love that. And I, I love, I love what you uh, uh, prefaced it with that um, different things work for different people. If you try something and it doesn't work for you, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It simply means that isn't the one for you. There will be something else for you. Absolutely. That. Yeah. It's so, so important to have that mm. moment of awareness around that because when you have a neurodivergent brain, the likelihood is that you've experienced a lifetime of often being either directly or indirectly told that you're not quite right. <laughs> so that looks, you know, different for different people. Mm-hmm. There was actually a study um, quite a while back. I can't remember the name of the the, the person that ran it, um, but he, he proposed that neurodivergent brains typically by the age of about 12 will experience up to 20,000 more negative comments in comparison to their neurotypical peers. Mm. So when we take that into account, all of those moments we carry with us, create a lot of those beliefs that we'll still hold with us today as adults. And if we're going into any mindset of, I'm, you know, I'm not going to get this right or right and wrong, having that sort of binary view of it, it can actually cause pressure and, as I said, the outcome of it is that oh, I didn't get that right, or yeah, I must be the problem again. Mm. Mm. So that's not what these these areas of exploration are about. It's about saying what does work for you. Yeah, okay. yeah. And let's go on a journey. And of course, every time you find something that doesn't work for you, you've still learned something. You've learned okay, that approach doesn't work for me, which means I can rule out all of those things and focus on these where the answer is going to be. Yes, absolutely. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um. There's bound to be some, bound to be at least one person who's uh, listening to this or, or, or watching this who's going, this is making a lot of sense. I wonder, 
I wonder if I'm neurodivergent in some way. For anyone who is thinking that, what what would be kind of like the first steps on exploring a bit more to find out whether whether you are or or, or are not neurodivergent? Brilliant question. <laughs> I'm so glad that you've raised it because it has become somewhat of a controversial sort of topic this year, particularly with lots and lots of differing views on this mm. and differing opinions. Um, a lot of people have quite heavily criticised, I'm going to say, people realizing they could be neurodivergent through the use of things like TikTok videos and social media. Mm -hmm. So what I would say is that if any of this has resonated, if even one point of this has sparked a moment of curiosity for you and you're sitting there thinking, wow, okay, actually there could be something here for me to explore, I would say get curious about it. And that can look different. So again, working in ways that you feel most comfortable with, but having a moment to sit down and get curious about what parts of this did resonate and why was that? And how could you go about developing that awareness? So there's lots of information out on the internet. There are things like self-report scales that you can complete and they're quite readily available most uh sort of you know gps medical providers things like that will have copies of these so there are sort of symptom checklists so to speak um if we want to sort of look down a bit of the the medical model route of it as it as it were um but the other thing i would say is that it's really interesting important sorry to bear in mind that those look from a very deficit-based lens of sort of what is wrong mm -hmm. as opposed to maybe what is different. So it could be quite helpful to use those in conjunction with your own personal experiences of saying, okay, well, what led you to feel or think differently mm -hmm. in types of situations? And are there any safe people in your life that perhaps you could open up this discussion with to see if, your experiences of something differed from someone else's experiences of something. And that might help guide you in deciding how to take things further. So the diagnostic route is actually only one route you can take because having a diagnosis isn't absolutely mandatory, it has its uses and its reasons and its purpose. But there's no less value or worth to you going on this journey yourself and figuring out if some of this does make sense and if this does fit with your experiences of life. So other things that might actually make that really hard for us to think about is whether or not a lot of these things were normalized. So for me, my whole family is full of neurodivergence. We're all very, very unique, different people. But actually, that then created a lot of normalization in my upbringing. A lot of the things that I went through, I was like, yeah, but doesn't everyone do that? Yeah. Doesn't everyone struggle yeah. to regulate their emotions? <laughs> doesn't everyone struggle to remember where they've put their things four, five, six times in a day? Doesn't everyone struggle with their organizational capacities and their focus isn't that what everyone does? And yes, to a certain extent, everyone does struggle with these things, but not to the extent that perhaps a neurodivergent brain will. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And it's about also thinking about how much 
these things impact you? Are these experiences or these challenges impacting you on a you know daily, weekly basis? Or do you find that actually it's just on occasion? Oh. And the last thing I would also say is whether or not some of these experiences are perhaps not as intense as they are because you're masking. So masking is something a lot of neurodivergent people will find themselves doing either consciously or subconsciously. A lot of us don't even realize we're doing it, but we will mask so that we can fit in so that we are more accepted so that we feel safer because it's not always actually a super safe environment in which to unmask and actually can be our authentic selves. So if any of what I have just said is resonating, get curious with yourself have a look and see whether or not those symptom checklists could be useful for you. If you would like to explore a diagnosis, you can start with the GP and you can bring those checklists and your thoughts and feelings if you've written them down or you know, voice noted them, for example, to your GP who will signpost you on. They're not the specialist who will be able to assess you, but they can certainly they can point you in the direction. Yeah, so they can give you your options. Um, otherwise you can also explore private diagnosis but that is of course quite expensive so it's not an option that's feasible for everyone and that's okay love it beth time as always is is uh is marching marching on uh i've learned a lot from this i'm sure everybody watching or listening will will have learned a lot if you have uh learned from this give us a comment drop a comment with what 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 you've got from us remember to subscribe give us a, a a share uh, a review um and above all if anybody wants to find out more maybe get in touch with you beth find out a bit more about what you do what's the best place to get in touch i would definitely say my website because it's got all of my contact details on it so whatever works best for you please let me know and i will meet you where you're at so let me know if you prefer calls texts emails and i'm happy to work with whatever works best for you um, I'll leave it there. Brilliant, brilliant. And uh, that website is www.unboundmindadhdlifecoaching.com. Uh, the link, that link, uh, plus a few other links are all in the show notes for this episode as well. Go to the usual place, keithplatemonoble.com slash show. Look for the Keith Plate Noble radio show. Look for the episode the one with Beth Thomas. You'll find links to uh, for all those links, ways to get in touch with that and so much more. Beth, thank you so much for taking taking time out of your, your busy day to, to uh, help us start to explore the journey of uh, finding out more about neurodivergence. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so, honestly so, so grateful to have been here. I can't wait to go away and ruminate on everything. <laughs> all of the things I could have said as well. <laughs> <laughs> Sincerely, thank you so, so much for having me here. It's absolutely been amazing. Thank you so much, Beth. And thank you, dear viewer, dear listener, for catching us. Remember, give us a like, comment, subscribe. Reviews are always helpful. And I will leave you with Beth's favorite quote. It's from Brenny Brown. It's a beautiful quote, a lovely quote. Let go of who you think you're supposed to be and embrace who you are. been listening to the keith blakemore noble radio show 
find out more, please visit keithblakemorenoble.com. 